we'd like you to welcome you back to part three of our current event and weekly Bible study for May 5th, 2013. And continuing on, on the same, kind of on the same theme here, uh, as if all of the other reports we've just reported on, particularly regarding Christian persecution, haven't been bad enough. Right on cue yesterday, CNN comes out with an article entitled, When Christians Become a Hated Minority. Quote, a hated minority. It's not if, it's when they become a hated minority. And again, this, it's really reminiscent of uh, the Jews in, uh, let's say, pre-Nazi Germany. When Hitler was ascending to power and all of the things that he did to uh, maneuver and posture to make sure that ultimately for the extermination of the Jews. The same thing's happening right now in modern day America, but this time it's the Christians that are in the crosshairs. So it's very reminiscent of that. Going further, and again, this is from CNN, when Peter Sprigg peaks, speaks publicly about his opposition to homosexuality, something odd often happens. During his, Now this is CNN, this is not a Christian thing. I thought it was rather telling regarding their perspective on this, because they can see this, and these are things that, I think Christianity, modern day Christianity in America would be reluctant to admit, but it says, during his speeches, people raise their hands to challenge his assertions that the Bible condemns homosexuality. Okay, we're going to look at those verses again, and they're very clear, there's no, you know, two ways about it, at least with a King James Bible, maybe if you have some, I don't know, New Age perversion. They've some of them have removed all the verses regarding homosexuality out of them. Uh, but let me just let me just back up here and say this again in one coherent sentence. When Peter Spriggs speaks publicly about his opposition to homosexuality, something odd often happens. During his speeches, people raise their hands to challenge his assertions that the Bible condemns homosexuality, but no Christians speak out to defend him. Wow. In other words, the silence is deafening. That right there says, speaks volumes. The people that are pro-homosexual have enough backbone, in other words, to raise their hand and try to, whatever, defend their stance. But they're saying no Christians speak out to defend him whenever he speaks. So he's pretty much on his own. <laughs> I mean, this is just unbelievable. And, and it's no wonder. It's because of this very thing. Spinelessness, I guess you would call it. That, you know, we have all of these draconian things. This boot on our neck. This noose around our throats collectively. In America, because the Christian community hasn't been more outspoken, hasn't taken more proactive steps. As I said before, particularly the 501c3 corporate church leaving the battlefield. I'm not condemning my listeners, I'm talking about other, the, the, the vast majority of people out there that would label themselves a Christian. But then it goes on to say, but after it's over, they will come over and talk to me, and whisper in my ear, lest anyone hear, 
and say, quote, I agree with everything you said. <laughs> wow. Jesus must be so proud of these that would come up, have the audacity to come up to this Christian speaker who is speaking out about homosexuality from a biblical standpoint in these these ones that wouldn't defend him if, if, if it came down to it, but they'll come up to him afterward and whisper in his ear. Now that is some serious backbone. That, I mean, that's hardcore there. You know, that's, these people are, are, are like, you know, your whole, the whole Fox's Book of Martyr Christians willing to go to the stake and be burned at the stake for their faith. You know, this is what we're dealing with. The patheticness that we're dealing with here. Whisper in my ear. Why would they even bother? Wouldn't they have a sense of shame? Do they think this is making up for the fact that they're silent otherwise? They wouldn't, you know, say, make a peep. Lest they might come under a little bit of persecution. Mmm, we couldn't have that. We couldn't, we wouldn't want to be labeled or have some queer say that we're bigoted or something. When they're participating in the most degenerate lifestyle on the planet, essentially, that the Bible clearly and openly condemns, that they've been turned over to a reprobate mind, and their consciences are essentially seared with a hot iron. Demon-possessed to the toenails, essentially, what you're dealing with here. But no, 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 we as Christians don't need to say anything against that. Spriggs goes on, is, is, he's a spokesman for the Family Research Council, a conservative Christian lobbying group. He goes on, uh, we've heard of the down-low gay person who keeps his or her sexual identity a secret for fear, of, for fear of public scorn. Like, they're in the closet and then they come out of the closet. But Sprigg and other evangelicals say, which, this word evangelical, I can't stand it really, but uh, I wish they just say other Christians would say changing attitudes toward homosexuality have created a new class. Now, in the original article with CNN, it said a new persecuted class. Please, spare me. If you call, that per- if you call this persecution, what, the next line I'm getting ready to read, we don't know what persecution is. Me included. Me at the top of the list. Okay, So I'm not saying, well, I'm Mr. or whatever, and I've went out there and, you know. Have we resisted unto blood, as the Bible says? It's going to come down to that probably for a lot of us. They say changing attitudes towards homosexuality have created a new class. Which are closeted Christians who believe the Bible condemns homosexuality. But will not say so publicly for fear of being labeled a hateful bigot. Oh my my. And the retaliation that may occur. Mm. Yeah, better to be quiet as a church mouse. Yeah, that's what Jesus did. Oh no, he didn't actually. He spoke out against the wicked rulers of the day and ended up uh, being nailed to a cross and dying for our sins. And then all the other apostles after, uh, yeah, they ended up dying pretty much horrific deaths, save John. But, you know, he was in prison, died in prison on Patmos. Uh, the other ones were just, you know, tortured, killed in the most horrific ways you could imagine. Um, yeah. This, 
I mean, if they're looking down from heaven and they're thinking, wow, this is our, you know, this is the end generation here. (laughs) I mean, this is, this is pathetic. This is so pathetic compared to what our, the ones that have went before us, the born-again Bible-believing Christians that were martyred before us have went through. This is pathetic. Starting at Jesus Christ, you know. I mean, I include myself in, in that class because, again, I haven't resisted yet unto blood. You know. But, I mean, if they won't even do this, if they're afraid to even speak out, can you imagine? There, These people, when it gets bad, you are going to so see the real thing and the pretenders separated. That is a big reason why all this is happening, to weed all... To, to really show what side you're on, you know? And and I guarantee you, none of these that would just do something like this, go up and whisper in his ear, they're going to fall away. They're, they're going to, they are going to do whatever it takes to save their skin. Unless they have a visitation from God, or get right with God, or whatever it takes. And I hope they do, I really do, I pray. But we've seen nothing regarding persecution. And yet, these people are still like little church mice that, you know. So, going further, it says this proof, Sprague points to the backlash that the ESPN commentator, Chris Broussard, sparked recently. Broussard, who was called a bigot and a purveyor of hate speech, when he said an NBA player who had come out is gay. And and again, the gays can, can slander us and just go nuts on us and call us every foul name. That's not hate speech. That's freedom of Speech, freedom of expression. They're doing that because they love us. You know. But anyone who is a Christian that says anything derogatory toward the gays and and these these perverse devil degenerates, um, demon-possessed of the toenails, you say anything on that level, oh, you're, 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 you're a bigot, you're a purveyor of hate speech, this and that. It's a double standard. But anyway, this ESPN commentator said uh, he was called a bigot and a purveyor of hate speech when he said an NBA player who had come out as gay was living in open rebellion to God. Quote, living in open rebellion to God. Uh, Broussard said the player, Jason Collins, was living in unrepentant sin. I think he's on the cover of Sports Illustrated right now. Yeah, this is who we want to have. It's kind of ironic, the same week they kicked, kicked Tim Tebow out, essentially... Now, granted, I'm not over here saying, yeah, well, this and that, but Tim Tebow was extremely vocal about his stance toward Jesus Christ, okay? Now, I know, yes, you could probably do a whole study on saying whatever, but the one thing I did see is he was very, very vocal about that, okay? The NFL does not have room for something like that. And because he went over to Denver and he won those games and he had all those last minute comebacks, the spotlight was on him. And they do not want positive attention being on someone who's vocal about Jesus Christ. Period. They don't want that. They can't have it. So what happens? Denver trades him to the Jets. The Jets bench him the whole season. And then he's cut. And it was all by design. And isn't it ironic, the same week that happens, this devil Chris Broussard, or, or not Chris Broussard, but um, Jason Collins comes out, is gay in the NBA. 
And Obama comes out and says, I couldn't be more proud of him. We're going to get to that article. And all the gay groups, oh, applauding and lauding him and all oh, what. And Tim Tebow's kicked to the curb the same. And really what it's saying is that we embrace degenerate, sick, perverse devils like you, Jason Collins, we love you. And we want all the gay people to come out. In the NBA, now they're talking about the NFL. Tim Tebow and your types, you name the name of Jesus Christ, which is the most offensive name on the planet. It's a name that will separate and divide, guaranteed. It's one thing to to say God, but it's a whole other thing to say Jesus Christ. To evoke that, to, to say, you know, he is my Lord and Savior. Isn't that ironic? And again, it's just further evidence. It's just one more nail in the collective coffin of the USA from a morality standpoint, from a God's judgment standpoint. It just, there's all these things that are happening incrementally. That's just one thing that's happened just this week. And they, they benched, I believe, I, I read enough articles about it, I really believe they benched him that whole season and essentially didn't let the guy play. For that exact reason. They wanted the things to cool down, to die down. They didn't want to give him a chance. They wanted to just put him on the back burner. Let's go through the off season. We'll cut him after the draft. And he'll go a separate way. And nobody's going to... And they're going to probably red flag him. All the other NFL teams. There's really no interest. And I mean, from a greed standpoint alone. Do you know how much revenue Tim Tebow generated for probably Denver when he was out there? And I'm not saying that's right, okay? I'm not saying you get the whole greed NFL thing. I think it's all a bunch of garbage, whole pro sports and the greed involved and the betting and, and all of the, the game rigging and all this garbage. I, I don't, you know, I think it's wrong. Totally. But it's just, I, th- I thought it was pretty ironic. And it's just one more evidence of this, of this slide toward we want evil. We love evil. Gay, lesbian, transgender, bisexual. We love you, Planned Parenthood. We love you, Mr. Pornography. We love everything evil. We want to eat it up. Drugs and meds and, and, oh, yeah, fluoride and chlorine and chemtrails and anything like that. Get us addicted to painkillers and all of the, the wicked, evil stuff that's out there. So anyway, going back to the article here. Um, in the current culture, it takes more courage for someone like Chris Broussard to speak out, meaning this ESPN commentator that was against it, than for someone like Jason Collins to come out. So in our current culture, it does do that. It's, it's, it takes more courage to actually speak out against the wickedness than it does when you're wicked to come out and openly announce it. No, no, you'll be praised. You will be praised. You will be rewarded. I mean, talk about creeped out. I mean, if you were in one of these locker rooms as like a pro football player and like you all of a sudden you got like one or two people on your team coming out saying they're openly gay thinking, oh good, I mean, you know, I've been in the locker room with this guy all this time and who knows, you know, was he checking me out or what? I mean, that's creepy. I'm sorry. That's really, really mega creepy. But, oh, you won't be able to say anything. No, 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 it's not politically correct. You better shut your mouth. You want to keep that paycheck. I guess that was the point I was relating to about Tim Tebow. 
he guaranteed he was bringing in untold revenue for the Denver Broncos. But the bottom line is, Elway wanted to get rid of him. And I don't even follow, like, pro football is not something I'm obsessed with. I just was looking at this along the way saying, I wonder what kind of angle they're going to do here. There's got to be some way they got to get rid of this guy. And as good of a job as he did over there, Elway didn't want anything to do with him. Elway, he just looks evil to me, you know. And sure enough, it worked out. I didn't really know how they were going to work it. But but from a greed standpoint, even that, I think what happened, the higher-ups in the NFL, and a lot of these guys, I'm sure, just Satanists. I mean, people that are at the top of the food chain are Satanists. They're Luciferians. And they're thinking, you know what? We need to just make sure this guy's gone. And we need to make sure no other NFL teams pick him up or do anything with him. Because we cannot have that type of bold message that he's coming out with. And I'm not saying he's perfect, okay? I'm not saying he's Mr. Hardcore, whatever. But I'm talking about naming the name of Jesus Christ. That's all I'm in reference to here. They do not want that name named. And I believe that's the bottom line. So we can expect a whole lot more of this and a whole lot more degenerates being praised and, oh, this and that and lauded for their their courage So, the media will hail someone who comes out of the closet as gay and praise them, but someone who simply expresses their personal religious views about homosexual conduct is condemned and attacked. The Southern, again, the Southern Devil Law Center in Alabama is a civil of civil rights, yeah, whatever, group that combats and monitors hate groups. Oh, you know, they're... They're doing a great job. Three years ago, it designated the Family Research Council, the group that Sprigg represents, as a hate group. A characterization the group stridently rejects. See, they can say whatever they want to about anybody if they don't like you. You're anti-gay, you're a hate group. That's it. Mark Potek, a center spokesperson, says there's no shared definition of what constitutes hate speech. There's no legal meaning. It's just a phrase. In other words, it's like they're rubber ruler. They stretch it any way they want it. Potek says hate speech is in the ear of the beholder. Intolerance may be difficult to define, but some evangelicals say they have become victims of intolerance because of their reverence for the Bible. Well, what does the Bible have to say about this subject? Well, here's the verses. Here's a whole bunch of the verses that relate to this subject of persecution of Christians. Okay, John 16.2 Yea, the time cometh... Jesus Christ speaking, yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God, God's service. That's how bad it's going to get. They're going to be so deluded and so demented that when they kill you, they're going to be thinking they're doing God's service. I would imagine that the Nazis who were, you know, shooting the innocent Jews in the back of the heads and putting them in the uh, ovens and taking them to the gas chambers, they probably thought they were doing their God service, Satan, or Odin, or whoever, whatever God they worshipped. Yeah, you get good and demon-possessed enough, you can get that that demented and deluded, sure. 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's just part of the package. You know, we just haven't really experienced it in America and I know I have listeners elsewhere. 
Uh, but my main listener base is in America, and so I tend to speak to them more because it's our frame of reference. But not to say that there's other countries that aren't even aren't under a lot of persecution already or have been. So I don't mean to minimize them at all either. John fifteen twenty. Remember the word that I said unto you: the servant is not greater than his lord. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. Jesus Christ speaking. Again, it's just the way it is, particularly in the day and times we're moving into. Yeah, I mean, probably if you would have grown up, let's say you lived from, I don't know, if you were born like 1930, lived till, I don't know, 1990, you know, around in there, you know, not to say you couldn't have underwent persecution, but I'm talking what's coming, you know, the real hardcore stuff that we're going to be seeing in America. Um, Different time eras, obviously, would depend on what time era you lived in and what part of the world you lived in as well. That would be probably even the most important thing. 1 Peter 4, 12-19 Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. So I get a lot, of, I get emails from people and they're like, oh, I can't believe all the stuff I'm going through since I, you know, came to the knowledge of this truth and I started speaking out against the New World Order and I took a hardcore stance for Christianity and this and that. And listen, this Bible verse right here, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. Don't think it's strange. If they persecuted the master, they're going to persecute us, the servants. I mean, if they persecute Jesus Christ, they're going to persecute us. And it goes on to say, as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings. You're partakers of Christ's sufferings. There's a reward for this, a heavenly reward, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. That's pretty cool. Praise the Lord. On their part, he's evil spoken of. Well, like this one guy that was making all of these unbelievably evil, vile quotes, Mikey Weinstein. And I, I would imagine he's a Jew, because he's his last name, Weinstein. And this is of the Jews. These are of the synagogue of Satan. Okay. The, the Bible talks about in Revelation. And they call themselves Jews, but they're of the synagogue of Satan. And they have nothing but pure, pure hatred for Jesus Christ. Okay? That sect of Jews. One-third of the Jews are going to be saved, according to Zechariah. One-third are going to be pulled, you know, go through the fire and try to silver. But two-thirds are not going to be. Two-thirds are going to die. And if you read Zechariah, I've went over those verses many times in the past. And this would be part of, let's say he is a real, whatever, bloodline Jew. He's going to be part of the two-thirds that dies, unless he repents. And I seriously doubt he's going to. These are the people that go by the, let's say they would call themselves a Jew. They would go by the Talmud and the Kabbalah at the highest levels. The Talmud, the, the, particularly the Babylonian Talmud, I've done whole teachings on that. Just can't Talmud. T-A-L-M-U-D in the keyword search box at ContendingForTruth.com. You talk about the most evil 
things you could possibly say about Jesus Christ. Things I can't even repeat. They're so vile and disgusting. I can't repeat them on air. The most vile, offensive statements I've ever heard about Jesus Christ come out of the Babylonian Talmud. And this is what they're taught. This is how, and so it's no wonder they have this unbelievable seething hate rage for Christianity. Somebody like that. Is if, is, as he is part of the synagogue of Satan. Okay? So again, when it comes to the Jews, I try to have a biblical balance here. I'm not, I'm not, I just don't be like John Hagee and say, oh, they're saved because they're Jews. And that's called ethical, ethical, whatever, salvation. I don't throw the baby out with the bathwater either and condemn all the Jews and blame them for every evil on the planet, like a lot of people do. Yes, there's a lot of Zionist Jews in very, very high places in government, in world government, and in the 13 families of the Illuminati, yes. But they're of the synagogue of Satan. It's very important to have a balance when it comes to that subject, as far as I'm concerned. You know, so... Anyway, going further... If you be um, if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. But on their, their part he is evil spoken of. But on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody, or as in others men's matters. Men's matters. In other words, if you're going to suffer, suffer for righteousness' sake. Suffer as a Christian. Don't suffer because you've been evil. Not to say we're going to walk around sinless perfection, but we don't sin that grace may, ab- may abound either. Yet if any man suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. That's what the house of God needs, judgment. Based on all the stuff I just covered today, and the deafening silence that I'm sure is going to happen once again from the vast majority of those people that call themselves Christians about these matters. So self-centered. They, they don't think, they think because it may not be directly affecting them in their little life, that moment, that it's not going to affect them in the future. And it is going to. Well, then again, they probably a lot of them just line up for the mark of the beast when it comes down to it. They'll renounce any allegiance to Jesus Christ or Christianity and they'll take they'll take the Broadway and their fate will be sealed. That's that's what I firmly believe the vast majority of them will do. If they if they don't stand up for it now when persecution isn't even bad, what are they going to do when it's when it's real and in their face? Are they just all going to sudden bow up and become big spiritual whatever? <laughs> Doubtful. So, for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God, and if it first begin at us, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? Well, in, in, the, in the tribulation, it's going to be Armageddon, essentially. I mean, it's going to be Jesus Christ coming back on a white horse, judging the wicked. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. So we should be trying to live our lives in a life of well-doing. Not of evil-doing, but of well-doing. Matthew 24, 10 and 12 says, And shall many be offended... Now this is really the, the, 
a great descriptor of the time we're in and moving into. And then many shall be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. The more iniquity abounds, the more wickedness goes on, the more babies that are getting slaughtered over Planned Parenthood, the more gays that are, are committing all kind of totally disgusting, debauched sexual acts, literally is defiling the land. That's iniquity abounding. It's abounding. It's growing. What does that cause? The love of many to wax cold. That word wax means to grow. Many shall be offended. Guaranteed, all these little dudes, like the ones that come up and whisper in that guy's ear, oh, I, I agree with you, say, I just can't say anything about it. They're going to be offended. They're going to be, God's going to make sure they get in a position where they have to take a stance. And they're going to get offended. I, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up for, for potential persecution or, God forbid, martyrdom. I didn't sign up for this. Well, they're going to be offended. And then they shall betray one another. <laughs> yeah. People that call themselves Christians, from my experience, and I'm not talking so much about my listeners, but I'm just talking about in general, from my experience, the people that call themselves Christians, the typical ones I kind of get into today, they, they got to be some of the ones you watch the closest. Stab you in the back. been my experience over and over <laughs> you know it's just what I've come to expect they shall betray one another and shall hate one another yep yep and it's only going to get worse unfortunately so going back to the main article it says the conservative media culture is filled with stories about evangelicals being labeled as extremists for their belief that homosexuality is a sin. Their sense of persecution goes beyond their stance on homosexuality. They are, there are stories circulating of Christian students being suspended for opposing homosexuality. Well, good. Happy are ye. You're suffering some persecution for the cause of Christ. Happy are ye then. That you should be. You shouldn't go, oh, I can't believe... No, I mean, like, so much of the time when, like, if you look in the Bible or martyrs or these people that were persecuted, they were, like, praising God when they got a chance to go to jail or suffer for Christ. So, the Bible's pretty clear on that. We just went over those verses. So, um, they were suspended for opposing homosexuality. A teacher was fired for giving a Bible to a curious student. Oh, we can't have that. And the rise of the anti-Christian bigotry. I just wonder, I mean, I always leave tracks when, if I go to a restaurant, or I, I put tracks out all over the place. You know, gas stations and the gas pumps. I'm just waiting for the day when I, you know, I got somebody coming me confronting. It hasn't happened yet. Or saying, oh, you can't come back here, whatever. We don't want your kind in here. Those days are coming. Guaranteed. Those days are coming. Um, a blogger at the American Dream asked in one essay, are evangelical Christians rapidly becoming one of the most hated minorities in America? Well, obviously they are. Look at the hatred of this guy, this Mikey Weinstein, in the Pentagon. 
I mean, he couldn't even contain his hate for us. Couldn't. He didn't really try either. Other than just throwing in every four-letter cuss word, he, he pretty much, that's about the only thing he stopped short of. And I'm sure if he had his, his, his druthers, if he had his way, he wouldn't, he wouldn't stop short of any of that. <laughs> Joe Carter, editor for the Gospel Coalition, an online evangelical magazine, wrote a blog entitled, Debatable, Is the Christian Church a Hate Group? He warned that young people will abandon Orthodox Christian churches that teach that homosexuality is a sin. Why? For fear of being called haters. Whatever. I could care less what you call me. I'm, I'm going to go by what the Word of God says, and I'm going to stick to that. And you want to label me that, whatever. You know, These are people that are on their way like grease lightning to hell. These sodomites. Gay, lesbian, transgender, bisexual crowd. And I'm going to sit here and care about what these degenerates call me or label me? I could care less. But I'm not going to shut my mouth either to placate your wicked conscience. Meaning that that group of people. Goes on to say, Fox civility, meaning fake civility, embarrassment, prudishness, and a fear of expressing an unpopular opinion has caused many Christians to refrain from explaining how homosexual conduct destroys lives. Again, I mean, the the, the testament of backbone here is just amazing, isn't it? I mean, these are people that will definitely die for Christ. They will, they'll have no problem walking up to the guillotine and, and, and laying their head in that thing being beheaded for Christ. No, they won't have any problem at all. You can just tell. It's all over them. I mean, you know. We're not... God has not given us a spirit of fear. The Bible's clear on that. The fear of man, which is what we're talking about here, bringeth a snare. Snare is a trap. Well, obviously, that's what motivates these people. Fear of man. Fear of man. What what are they going to say? What am I going to do? Fear of man bringeth a snare. They're They're more fearful of man than they are of God. The fear of God is the exact opposite. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, understanding, knowledge, the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them. If you are struggling with this, then you need to pray for the fear of God and for God to take away your fear of man. This verse keeps coming into my mind as I talk about this subject today. And again, I'm not saying this because I'm trying to spur us to something better than this pathetic behavior that we see going on over and over again with these pathetic Christians. If you could call them a Christian, they say they are. If they're this spineless now, it's again, it's just not going to get better. I mean, man, it's such a sad state of affairs that I have to even get into this stuff. 
The Bible says in Revelation 21, 6, And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha Omega, the beginning and end. This is Jesus Christ talking here. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto you him that is a thirst, a fountain of water, of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. Now here we go again with the overcoming. I've done a whole teaching on overcoming, just key in overcoming, or overcomer, in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. The ones that are overcomers are the ones that endure to the end. The Bible also says, pray that you be counted worthy to escape all the things coming upon this earth, and to stand before the Son of Man. Now, if you're counted worthy to escape all the things coming upon this earth, like all this horrificness that I see on the horizon, you, I mean, obviously, you're going to be an overcomer as well. And in that case, you're overcoming, and God is actually sparing you to a certain extent. Not to say you want to go through anything, but he's sparing you. You know, you're accounted worthy to escape all the things coming upon the earth. So, um, there's a lot of different facets to this subject. So anyway, uh, Revelation 21.7. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful, the fearful is the first one listed in Revelation 21.8. But the fearful and unbelieving, what's the second thing? Unbelieving. And the abominable, and the murderers, and the whoremongers, and the sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That's what weasels like this, who are, like I said, we haven't even endured any, any persecution here. That's the verse they need to get burned into their head. Okay? Because they're fearful. They're fearful of man. They're fearful of what the world government's going to do. They're, they're, now, I'm not saying that, that we don't ever have any kind of fear of anything. We go around like we're Superman or whatever all the time. And, and, you know, of course, that's not a good analogy. But you know what I mean. I'm talking about people that live in fear. And that is what guides their life. And they're unbelieving. Okay, now, you can't be an unbeliever, and I believe this is in reference to Jesus Christ. I believe that somebody who is an unbeliever is not saved. I mean, unbelieving, like, you can't just say that's unbelieving of, like, football, or unbelieving of whatever. No, I believe this is in reference to, to somebody who is in unbelief, who refuses the Lord Jesus Christ who will not accept him as a Lord and Savior, who does not believe the Bible in essence. These are the first two categories mentioned in people that are going to get thrown into the lake of fire. The fearful and the unbelieving. And then it goes on to lump them in with all of abominable murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, and liars. The first two mentioned are fearful and unbelieving. Not fear of God, fear of man. Which is why a guy would have to go up there and whisper all this stuff in his ear. He's afraid of man. He's afraid of the gays. Or he's afraid of Planned Parenthood. Or he's afraid of the government. Or whatever. And then the unbelieving. 
Obviously, they have no faith. They're unbelieve. They're, they do not believe the Bible. They do not believe the Word of God. They do not believe, you know. And that's the second one. So, I mean, fear of God is really important because it takes care of a lot of different things. Um. Then this goes on to say. Uh, let's see here. The fox civility, embarrassment, prudishness, and a fear of expressing an unpopular opinion has caused many Christians to refrain from explaining how homosexual conduct destroys lives. Carter, an evangelical blogger, says he foresees a day uh, when any church that preaches against homosexuality will be marginalized. And I wrote in there, in attacked. Of course. The Bible will have to be banned. Because ultimately, at least the King James Bible, maybe they'll bring in their Queen James Bible, like I talked about some teachings ago, they got a Queen James Bible. For the queers, Queen, I'm not making this stuff up, it's got a gay, gay cross flag on the cover. It's just, they're just trying to just do whatever they can. They have no fear of God. Oh, they will though, when they step into hell. When they step into hell, they're going to have plenty of fear of God. But it'll be too late. The Bible will have to be banned. The King James, particularly. That will be the first Bible to be banned, is my prediction. When that happens, I don't know. It depends how quickly God lets this timetable go forward. And the more pathetic People that call themselves Christians are, in general, the quicker that's going to happen. Because we're called to be salt and light. Salt is a preservative. It it prevents the degradation of, for instance, if you put it on meat. You can salt meat and it, it preserves it. It prevents it from degrading. That's what we as Christians are supposed to do. To, to our environment around us, we're supposed to impact it. And again, there's different ways that can happen through prayer, fasting, uh, um, leading people to the Lord, showing people the truth, uh, you know, doing righteous works, you know, praying over against, you know, like abortion clinics and stuff like that. So again, there's a lot of different ways that can happen. Anyway, um, if it sees a day when the church, when any church that preaches against homosexuality will be marginalized, and attack, just as many churches now accept divorce. Now, they're talking about unbiblical, like, yeah, yeah, I see her and I think I want to do an upgrade on my marriage. And, he, and the guy divorces his, his wife or whatever, you know, that type of stuff. Anyway, and then it says they will accept sexual practices once considered sinful then as well. Okay. Like sodomy, stuff like that. Which actually is technically defined as, I don't know how to put this nicely, um, we think of sodomy just as gay guys with a gay guy. Okay, but actually it includes, the full definition of sodomy um, also includes oral sexual practices. I did a whole teaching on it. It's called Biblical, uh, I don't know if you can sexual, 
in the keyword search box of contendingfortruth.com, I got into all that. This was once very common knowledge in the church. It was not even a point of debate. But now it's been buried because Satan wants it buried. He wants you to be in the dark. He wants you to be defiling yourself. He wants you to be bringing a curse on yourself. And you not knowing it is all the better. Because then you have no real even conscience of, of the sin. Maybe you do deep down, but, you know, he wants everybody to be in the dark. He wants people to know, he doesn't want people, the, the, uh, Christian women to know that, that most contraception works through abortifaction, meaning it can be abortifactive. You're aborting your babies, maybe every month. Being on the pill, patch, or uh, IUD, or whatever. Those types of hormonal birth controls. Prevents the implantation of a fertilized egg into the uterus. Baby aborted. He doesn't want you to know that. He doesn't want you to know that they use aborted babies to actually culture uh, at least 17 different vaccinations that, that you may have gotten, that your children may have gotten. And what might that be doing to you on a spiritual level when you actually get a vaccine injected and you cultured off an aborted baby? I've reported on all these things. These are things that the devil wants to keep you in the dark about. He wants you to be destroyed for lack of knowledge. He wants you to be ignorant of his devices so he can get an advantage of you. 2 Corinthians 2.11. That's why he wants it. So I'm just here to try and throw as gigantic of a monkey wrench into his plans as I possibly can. And if I'm hated by the world for it, well, praise God. I'm not, I, I mean, I just like happy are you if you suffer persecution. And I haven't really, you know, compared to, to so many, I haven't suffered like they have. I couldn't even compare myself to them. So, he goes on to say, it's getting to the point, he says, where churches are not going to say that any sexual activity is wrong. Of course. And again, as I've said before, every single 501c3 corporate church on the planet, even in other countries, if they've taken on that corporate status, it might not be 501c3 in another country, but you know what I mean. They're all going to be assimilated into the United Nations One World Religion. Every one of them. They might have people in given churches getting off that train to hell the last minute, but why stay on it? They're going to be assimilated. All these. That's why they created this whole thing of yoking up with the government in the churches so that they knew one day Caesar's going to call in the chips and they're going to be required to get on the old United Nations, one world, antichrist, false prophet, one world religion train and take her down the track. That's what they're going to do. And increasingly, churches are becoming more and more spineless and, and they won't speak out against sin and these types of issues and they're going to be assimilated very easily, I think. Next report. A Texas high school track team was prevented from advancing to their state finals after the student who landed first place in the boys' 4 by 100 meter relay pointed toward the sky in a gesture of faith, prompting the team's disqualification. In a perverted interpretation of rule governing high school sports, which prohibits any excessive, excessive celebration, wasn't like the guy like did some kind of gym, gymnastic routine down the track, you know, triple backflips with a pike tuck 
you know, as, as he's pumping his fist in the air and spiking footballs on the way and shooting off fireworks. He crossed the finish line and pointed his index finger toward the sky while it was next to his ear. It wasn't like he even fist pumped. So, in a, in a perverted interpretation of rules governing high school sports, which prohibits any excessive celebration, relay anchor Derek Hayes' act of lifting his finger by his ear. It didn't even get above his head. It was by his ear. How much more um, subdued could a celebration possibly be? Okay? But the act of him lifting his finger by his ear and pointing to the heavens was deemed to be a gaudy, celebratory motion. On par with, again, I said, dancing, spiking the football in the end zone, you know, lighting off fireworks, uh, you know, having like 14 air horns in his hand, he's blowing simultaneously as he crosses the finish line, you know, rolling around like crazy and having everybody pile on top of them. You get what I'm saying here? Last week's controversial judgment has members of the community and critics alike asking if the rule is a violation of the First Amendment. Oh, it's... I mean, I think he should have been, again, you know, it's probably suitable for a firing squad. I mean, you know, come on, we can't have this going on. But you understand... You know, if he crossed the finish line and screamed Allah Akubar, which is what a Muslim might say in a celebratory motion, oh, he would be, he would be lauded. He he would be celebrated. Oh, what a wonderful thing. I always thought it was kind of funny. If you ever seen these races in the Olympics where the Muslim women come in and they're wearing full burqas, but they're like spandex? But they've got their heads covered and all you can see is their eyes. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, uh, I think the way they treat women is just unbelievable. But they're a religion of peace and, you know, great bunch of guys. Anyway, so, <laughs> they're saying that this, they're, they're asking if this rule is a violation of the First Amendment, which prohibits the making of laws impeding the exercise, free exercise of religion. Oh no, you can't express your, your, your any kind of thing as a Christian at all. Are you kidding me? I mean, I've just, hopefully I've proven that point by this teaching. All of the excessive hatred toward Christianity that's becoming, and, and again, it's so, flagrant that this is satanic because it's so disproportionately targeted at Christianity. It's not targeted at Buddhism or Mormonism or Hinduism or Islam. No, no, no. It's just the only thing that matters is Christianity because that's the only real source of righteousness on the planet. You can't find it in any any other cult. So, from a satanic standpoint, it makes perfect sense. He goes on to say, I don't see what the big deal is when people are thanking God. I mean, he's the reason we live. Amen. That was said by Columbus resident Laparchia Miller, and she told the TV station. You know, again, reminiscent of what I mentioned about Tim Tebow, and then this Collins guy coming out as the gay. 
Woe to them that call evil good and good evil. See, that's the norm, though. The norm is if it's evil, it's good. And if it's good, it's evil. So this is the politically correct, wonderful world our world is evolving into. Here's the next one. A Florida teen with an exemplary record is facing federal charges after conducting what a classmate calls a science project gone bad. 16-year-old Kiara Wilmot is accused of mixing household chemicals in a small water bottle at a Bartow High School, causing the cap, the cap of the plastic water bottle, to fly off and produce a bit of smoke. The experiment was conducted outdoors as well. No property was damaged, and no one was injured. But not long after Wilmot's experiment, authorities arrested her and charged her with possession-slash-discharge of a weapon on school property and discharging a destructive device, end of quote. The school district proceeded to expel Wilmot for handling the dangerous weapon. Dangerous weapon. Plastic water bottle. Cap flew off. A mm. little bit of smoke. Yeah, sounds like it could have killed half the school to me. I mean, at least, you know. I'm surprised it didn't blow holes through people. It sounds so destructive. I mean, this is like on par with a nuclear device, at least, or some kind of depleted uranium round. I mean, come on. Or at least some type of chemical weapon, biological agent. I mean, sure. They should have gut shot her right there. Right there as an example for the other students. We cannot have this type of behavior on this planet. We can't have it. I, for one, am putting my foot down. I think we should lynch her. I really do. Tarn feather her. Um... You know, all kind of... Bring out the medieval torture devices. The Iron Maiden, the whole nine yards. She needs to be punished. Actually, she's adorable. I saw a picture of her and I'm like, oh my gosh. All I can have is pity on her. (laughs) And this this is the politically correct, brave new world again. We're all coming into now. Where Big Brother rules the day. And again, what's good is bad and what... What's bad is good. So they expelled her for handling a dangerous weapon. They should have called it a weapon of mass destruction. I think that would have been a little more accurate. You know, on par with, I don't know, like a 50 cal machine gun or maybe a hand grenade. This is a girl that had an exemplary, exemplary record. Okay? She has been expelled. She will have to complete her high school education through an expulsion program. This is total insanity. This whole teaching I'm doing today is total satanic insanity. Friends and staffers include the school principal who came to Wilmot's defense telling the media that authorities arrested an upstanding student who meant no harm. Obviously. This is like that girl I talked about not 
before, which she's from the area I lived in. It was in Benita. And the, the security, it was like the, near the end of her senior year, and the security guards were on patrol in the parking lot. And she had just completed a move. Um, and she had some, some things that she was moving in her back seat. And I, I think a, uh, it was a butter knife or a steak knife or something was on the back floor. I think it was a butter knife. And they saw that and that was it. She was done. Expelled. Forget it. You're done. Life as you know it is over. 30 days in the electric chair. Or at least the gas chamber. I mean, come on. She doesn't deserve lethal injection because that's too kind. We need to be, we need to be more, you know, little more stiff with our penalties here, okay? Why? Because we need to set an example for others. I mean, if it's butter knives one day, what is it going to be the next? Sporks? The combination spoon-fork things? What's going to happen if a whole legion of people show up with sporks and they take over the city? They storm the gates? I mean, what's this world coming to? I'm ashamed to even be called an American after reading this article. I'm ashamed. I am. I tell you. I cannot believe they didn't throw the book at her harder. She should have been reprimanded. She should have been drawn and quartered. Yep. Anyway, a little sarcasm there. Can't help but have a little bit of levity in this teaching, considering all the horrific stuff we're covering today. Ah. Yeah. So she's going to have to compete. This poor thing is going to have to complete her school education in an expulsion program. It's just beyond insanity. And get this, I love this last part. But Polk County Schools stand by its decision to expel Wilmot, asserting in a statement, quote, there are consequences to actions. Oh, you wonderful public school system that shows our kindergartners how to perform oral sex, that does all of these wicked, disgusting, evil, garbage things to our students that teaches them we evolved from a rock that turned into an ape that evolved into what we are now. Oh yeah, that happened. That teaches us all about sex education at the earliest possible ages and that it's okay to have two mommies and two daddies and I've documented all this garbage over and over and over. The wicked, evil public school systems. And then all of a sudden they become the morality police and are going to expel this poor girl for this stupid thing. And that's justice. And this is why the Bible talks about in Isaiah where it grieves God when he looks down on his creation in a particular society and he can't find justice. He can't find true justice or judgment among his people. And in that system, it says God will draw salvation unto himself, meaning there's not going to be a lot of people getting saved in that society. And you're not going to find justice in the courts. You're going to find the exact opposite. And this is what we're seeing. We're seeing just insane, insaneness. It's like the people at the loony bin, the worst of the worst, are the ones that are in control and making all of these just harebrained, satanic decisions. They, go, they say there are serious consequences to actions and calling Wilmot's experiment a serious breach of conduct.
So, yeah. She's, uh, she's probably done. She's probably done. I'm sure, think about this. What if she, like, had a scholarship somewhere? Well, that scholarship's gone. I'm sure. Oh, look at what you've done. We can't have this type of scum coming into our school. Who would dare rig a water bottle with some explosive agent and almost decimate and burn down half the school? I mean, I can see where this is going. Oh, I guarantee you, it's gone. If she had a scholarship, oh, it's gone. She's probably going to be able to get into college, I mean, which probably is the best thing for her, considering the, the scam of the colleges that go on. If you don't believe that, what is it, College Bubble? There's a documentary up on YouTube you need to watch called College Bubble. It shows you what a scam the colleges have turned into and how they're just a, literally a source just to get you an unbelievable debt. Among many other things, I'm just touching the, um, scratching the surface on that one. So let's go further. Uh, let me see here. Oh boy. Um, yeah, I think I have enough time to get through this. I need to really speed it up here because I'm running way behind. Okay. Obama administration openly pushing food stamps to illegals. No citizenship required, no income status check either. Now again, I'm contrasting all these articles. We see this, we go from one where it's like this hyper big brother strain in a gnat and swallow a camel nitpicky thing on like some guy holding the finger by his head and then getting expelled. Are, are getting disqualified from the race. And then the girl, you know, getting kicked out, expelled for a science project. And then we have this. And again, everything you look at now, all these current events, it's the things that are wicked, like wickedness, think of it like an animal, and it comes up to you, oh, good wickedness, we love you. You're a good little wicked animal. And then you have a good animal come up to you, and you're just kicking it in the teeth as hard as you can. And you're whipping it, and you're shooting it, and you're, and you're just, you're chopping it up. You, you, you just, you know. That's how it's treated now. Things that are righteous and good, you destroy it, obviously. You imprison it. You kill it. You annihilate it. But if you're wicked, oh, come here, little wickedness, we love you. We're gonna, we're gonna give you everything you want. And you know, you know, you're giving them the little liver snaps and the doggy treats and, you know, this type of thing. And this is what the world we're living in. It's, it's, it, it's, ugh, anyway. So documents obtained through the Freedom of Information Act. <laughs> my daughter's laughing over there. She's starting to make me laugh. <laughs> Documents obtained through the Freedom of Information Act reveal the Obama administration. Okay, sorry there. Um, to reveal the Obama administration is actively marketing the Federal Food Stamp Program, or SNAP, to illegal immigrants. So, we're illegally yet actively marketing the Food Stamp Program to illegal aliens. Okay? Uh, a Spanish language flyer obtained by Judicial Watch says, you need not divulge information regarding your immigration status in seeking this benefit for your children. <laughs> we don't need to know if you're an illegal alien sponging off the system. We want you to come here and, and eat up all the resources possible because we encourage wicked behavior. 
And we want you to be wicked and to come here and to do this and to do it illegally. And we are going to reward you so amply for that. And we're even going to advertise for you to do it. That's how wicked we are. Because we know what you're doing is wicked and we're wicked. So that's a match made in hell. Why not combine? Why not, you know, get in lockstep together? A copy of the document is viewable by clicking here. There's a link there. The USDA is actively working with the Mexican government to promote food stamps for illegal aliens. It's working with the Mexican government. (laughs) That's good. That's good. Um, And that was said by Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton. Although it's far worse now, this has been going on for years. Back in 2006, Judicial Watch wrote in its Corruption Chronicles... The United States Department of Agriculture is spending taxpayer money to run Spanish-language television ads encouraging illegal immigrants to apply for government-financed food stamps. Where's the outcry here from, I don't know, people that uh, don't want illegal aliens invading our country and eating up all our resources? Where are the church... I don't hear any outcry. I mean, I read the story, but I don't see the outcry. I mean, this is insane. Nearly $75 billion, billion of taxpayer money is spent each year on federal food stamps. And it turns out much of, of that is alarmingly being handed out to illegal immigrants. Of course. People who contribute very little to the tax base in America, but who seem to be experts on collecting social welfare benefits of all kinds. Well, they're encouraged to do that. Most people, if you've you've not observed this on your own, most people, it is human nature, and I don't mean this from a Christian standpoint, I'm saying if a person is left to themselves, it is human nature, if you let somebody get away with something, they're going to keep doing it. Period. That's what they do. That's why the Bible says if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. We need to be judging ourselves all the time. He who is spiritual judgeth all things. Jesus Christ said judge righteous judgment. Well, no, he said judge not lest you be judged. That's when you have a beam in your own eye and you're judging the speck in your brother's. It even says remove the beam out of your own eye so you can judge the speck in your brother's. Not to say we go around nitpicking everybody, but you know what I mean. We're supposed to judge. Oh, no, no, judgment's bad. No, it's not. Because there is no judgment, there's no biblical judgment in this country. There's very little of it. It's a gigantic reason why things have devolved into what they are now. And it grieves God when there's no true righteous judgment in the land. It's very clear. Particularly in the Old Testament. That's that's reiterated over and over again. And things will degenerate in a culture like that in a huge way. So, they're only spending $75 billion a year in taxpayer money on food stamps. I mean, um, Senator John Thune and Representative Marlon Stutzman are reportedly working on a bill that would prevent the Obama administration from marketing food stamp benefits to illegals. It's, it's, it's amazing this is even a point of, I mean, this is so illegal. They're here illegally, and then we're encouraging them to be here legally, and then we're going to illegally subsidize them while they're here. And give them every benefit they can get. (laughs) President Obama came into the office 
since President Obama came into office, SNAP, this is the food stamp thing, the SNAP participation has increased at 10 times the rate of job creation. The annual spending on SNAP has doubled. And one in seven Americans are now participants in SNAP. Like I said, this is part of the way they're, they're destroying the country from within. They get everybody dependent on the government. This is one part of it with the food stamps. And that when they implement their draconian garbage, then they're not going to, the, these people that are dependent on the government are not going to bite the hand that feeds them and they're going to do whatever they're told to keep the bennies flowing, meaning benefits. Anyway. As the U.S. government's own website admits, the food stamp program, SNAP, has increased from 2.8 million in 1969, 2.8 million in 1969, to 47 million in 2012. Well, that's a good trend we're seeing. I mean, that's a wonderful trend, you know? I mean, it's only went from 2.8 to 47 million. People totally dependent on the government. Isn't that the way it should be? As Natural News has previously reported, and Mike Adams put this out, he puts out some really good articles. He's new age, but he, he does have some very good articles. As Natural News has previously reported, recipients of federal food stamp money can use it to buy soda pop, birthday cakes, and even luxury seafood items. Soda companies are currently raking in $4 billion a year from the federal food stamp program alone. Go get your Diet Coke. Go get your fluoridated, chlorinated, Diet Coke in aluminum cans, and the aluminum leaches into the, the Coke and, and causes Alzheimer, and the chlorine plaques up your arteries and causes cancer, and the fluoride burns out your lower brain lobes, which is your will to resist, and causes cancer as well, and, and other bone-softening diseases. And the aspartame and all the artificial sweeteners in there, you know, the aspartame turns into wood alcohol in the body, and uh, formic acids, which is ant-sting poison, and is a neurotoxin, and an excitotoxin, and causes multiple sclerosis-like symptoms in the body. Hey, what's not the like? It's good stuff. Drink up. All your diet stuff. That stuff is pure satanic poison. Other than that, I'm kind of neutral on the subject, if you can tell. Anyway, so as the grocery receipt on the right, and there's a grocery receipt here, shows people are using food stamps to purchase lobster and porterhouse steaks. Yep, it's true. Food stamp recipients who include illegal aliens are using taxpayer money to load up on lobster and steak. As it should be. I would be the first to say, as it should be. They should get all the benefits for being here illegally. And the women should get all the benefits for having their little anchor babies here so that they can become grandfathered in as citizens. And they should eat up all of our resources as much as possible. And, and obviously they're from a very, um, you know, they're very, very extremely pro-Obama and, and, and very, you know, most of the time very, very liberal. And they bring a lot of the witchcraft from Mexico and stuff like that, the Santa Muerte and, and all the Catholicism and all the paganism they have commingled with that. So it's a good thing. Um, and they should load up on lobster and steak. I truly believe that is righteousness. I really do. It's it's amazing. I'm looking at this receipt here, and it's, it's cold water lobster, and they really load it up. Um, looks like, well, cold water lobster, eight ninety nine, eight ninety nine, eight ninety nine, seventeen ninety eight. So it looks like they counted two there, and then another seventeen ninety eight, and then another eight ninety nine. Okay, so they got their good fill of lobster there, and it looks like they got a total. Of, hmm. 
six, eight lobsters, and porterhouse steak. One for eleven sixty four and another for twelve twenty seven. It all came totaled. All they got was cool water lobster and porterhouse steaks. One hundred forty one seventy eight, all on their food stamp card. And it says at the bottom, it says debt uh, the uh, debit your food stamps tender, and that's how it was paid for. It was literally paid for totally with food stamps. It also turns out you don't even need to be poor to collect federal food stamps now. See, the government wants you to be dependent on them, is what it boils down to them. A federal audit released last year that many people who don't qualify for food stamps now receive them under the new broad-based eligibility program that disregards income and asset requirements. But again, there's going to come a day when Caesar calls in the chips. Okay? You, you, you cannot go to Satan and expect to get something for free where, there, where there's no strings attached. And when you're dealing with the government, you're dealing with Satan. Okay, Food stamp recipients can buy all the junk food they want, but they are prohibited from buying vitamins or nutritional items. Well, the better to depopulate you with, my dear. You know, like on, was it Goldilocks and the wolf or whatever? I don't know. Something. <laughs> whatever it is. What my what big teeth you have, Grandma? Well, they're better to eat you with, my dear. Okay, well, again, this is what we're dealing with here. Goldilocks and the wolf, wasn't it? Was it wasn't it a wolf that dressed up like a grandma? Oh, Goldilocks and the Free Bears. Oh, yeah, well, who was the other one? Oh, Little Red Riding Hood. I'm getting my nursery rhymes there. A little messed up. Sorry about that. I have to interject humor in, in today's teachings because I was so angry going over this information and putting this study together. It's like, okay, hold on, we gotta, we have a, have a little uh, humor commingled into this study. Um, so, you can buy all the junk food you want, but you can't buy vitamins or nutritional items. The big banks like J.P. Morgan Chase collect billions of dollars a year off the transaction fees supported from the SNAP program. The truth about the federal stamp pro, federal food stamp program is that it promotes junk food companies, transaction prof, profits for big banks, and of course, illegal immigrants. J.P. Morgan, by the way, donated more than $800,000 to Obama's 2008 election campaign. And again, what has Obama done? He's done everything he can do to get as many people as possible on food stamps. Destroying the job base, destroying jobs, we're going to talk about that, moving everything offshore as much as he can, taxing the middle class and the middle class businesses out of existence and then encouraging, oh yeah, come on over Mr. Illegal Aliens, please, please come by the millions, we love you. Come over here and eat up our substance because we love you so much. And so, again, and here you have J.P. Morgan donating 800000 to Obama's 2008 election campaign. Uh, and after the election, Obama worked to explode the food stamp program, generating countless of millions of dollars of transaction revenues for J.P. Morgan. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Moral of, the, moral of the satanic story. This program, administered by the USDA, is really nothing more than a nationwide handout program to bribe voters into voting for big government. And also to submit to being good little subservient slaves. Um, while I have nothing against people relying on food stamps to help them through a temporary short-term crisis, what we have today is generations of voters who live on... This is what I'm talking about, too. Generations of voters... And the illegal aliens who live on food stamps and other welfare programs. Far from being programs of, quote, compassion 
to help those in need, these programs have ballooned into grotesque, unethical systems of lifelong dependency that destroy dignity and train voters to live like helpless victims rather than capable human beings. But that's the way big government wants it, of course. The more people they can trap in a cycle of poverty, living on handouts from big government, the more votes they can win at the ballot box. He who promises the most handouts typically wins elections, and especially when they can rig the election, and they do, and there's no reversing it once the welfare hordes exceed 50% of the popular vote. Well, again, they can rig the election any way they want it, but he's saying that with the welfare, if there's 50% of the population on welfare, well, <laughs> it's, it's over. We are dangerously close to that level right now, and once we cross it, there's no turning back from financial suicide. Meaning you got 50% of the people that are just content to, you know, leech off, you know, the government, and they're going to do whatever it's, they tell them to do, and they're not going to bite the hand that feeds them. Um, once we cross it, there's no turning back from financial suicide. The voters will simply vote themselves bigger and bigger handouts until the financial pair parasitism guts the entire economy and leads us into a financial apocalypse. At that point, we'll be dealing with what I call the food stamp zombie hordes. Tens, which are tens of millions of people who have no idea how to work for a living, partially lobotomized by junk foods, vaccines, fluoride, chlorine, chemtrails, and who knows whatever else, roaming the streets in a desperate search for food when their governmental benefit cards stop working. I've talked about this before on that teaching I did on biblical resistance to tyranny and what's going to happen in the inner cities when the snap cards stop working. Oh, man. Whew. As self-centered as we are in America collectively, I can't even begin to imagine the whore of that <laughs> playing out. But make no mistake, the Obama administration wants to put millions of illegals on federal food stamps. They want Then it wants to grant them amnesty on top of that citizenship so that they can keep voting for more Big Brother welfare enablers into office. They, in turn, will keep pushing more for more and more handouts until the country finds itself trapped with an 80% tax rate like France, a 50% unemployment rate, and a further cultural invasion of former Mexican nationals who inherently support socialism, political corruption, and the abolishment of individual liberties. Uh, spread the word, we must stop the growth of SNAP and return it to sanity. For starters, no citizen, no non-citizen should receive federal food stamp benefits. But that idea seems to be alien no pun intended, to today's Washington bureaucrats who are trying as hard as possible to turn America into the next Mexico. And again, all by design. So there's two more articles here, Corporate Cronyism and the Food Stamp Army, and the next one is entitled $7,000 worth of food stamps and driving a Mercedes as well. Yeah, riding in style. And I, I did that one story uh, not too long back, I believe it was about that whole subdivision area of these unbelievably nice apartment slash condo houses that had been built, all of them were illegal aliens. The whole block, and there was all these brand new cars out front. I mean, I'm not just making this stuff up. It's this bad. So, this is what we're dealing with here. Now, i got a break here. I'm over time on this segment. I hope I can get the next five pages in before we run out of time. But God bless you, and we'll see you in part four.